0: And welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Valley here to give you the latest in the sporting world from all the levels. Mitch is going to be back here to start off the week. We're coming off maybe, Mitch, I don't know about you, but to me this was maybe the greatest sports weekend of the calendar year 2022, right as we're about to wrap it up.
1: Yeah, Mitch, I'm not sure that there's much debate. And what's even crazier is we talked about earlier in the podcast when we were recording back in September and October All the sports going on at once, how it's the best time of the year, but with just two sports going on, both can be called football and one game going on in the one league or one part of the world, I guess I should say, it may have actually been the best
0: sporting weekend of 2022 and maybe in recent memory. It was crazy. And we'll certainly get into it very early on in this show and throughout the rest of the program here on this episode of the BTS podcast show. But before we get into that, we want to start off every week like we always have been for the last maybe two weeks or so, where we preview to you, the viewers and the listeners, all the scheduled programming for the week here on Big Time Sports and BigTimeSportsOhio.com. So, Mitch. I mean, you usually start with the Fed- with the uh, Star County side of what's going on. I usually go to the Tuscarawas County side. Why don't you start off by telling the viewers and the listeners what will be happening in Star County this week and where BTS will be?
1: Well, it is a smaller sample size in terms of things to watch for big-time sports this week that is just new because you can always go back and watch anything big-time sports back on the website. But, Mitch, Indeed. with the holidays coming up, there will be no live broadcasted games from Stark County for basketball, but you will be able to catch the Central Catholic Crusaders boys basketball team on the big-time sports television show. That will air on Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m.
0: Sounds good. I know at Stark is a little bit different this time of year because is finals week now, like you mentioned before, and there's a lot of stuff going on on the academic side. Uh, for these student-athletes. Now, as for the Tuscarawas County side, we get a little bit of leeway. This is the only place, ladies and gentlemen, in this area that you'll be able to catch high school wrestling this week on BTS. You can check out the Claymont Mustangs going up against the Indian Valley Braves in their Wednesday meet. That will replay at Wednesday at 10.30 p.m. as well as Thursday at 2.30 p.m. As for the big-time sports show, we will be seeing the Strasburg Lady Tigers. The girls' basketball team has gotten off to a very good start in the IVC North this year. You will be able to see that episode on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., And Friday at 10 p.m., a later edition. And, of course, you can find these episodes on your local cable access channel, Spectrum 15 or 989, as well as MCT 128 if you're in that area. Of course, you can also go online to WIVM. TV.com. You can also go to bigtimesportsohio.com. And of course, we have all of our social handles, including our Twitter at BTS Ohio. You can also download our app, the Local Broadcast Network app, the LBN app, or go to local broadcast network. Dot com, And of course, you know where to find us. Twitter, Facebook, we're on all the podcasting platforms that we have. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, the works. So we got that out of the way. That is your, uh, your quick rundown on all the scheduling for big-time sports this coming week. Of course, the holiday week, Mitch, as uh, Christmas is very quickly upcoming. So we want to start off this special uh, week, the Christmas week, the first of two episodes this week, where we talk about what's been going on in area sports. Now, as I mentioned before, Straws are getting off to a very good start on our side. Malvern also getting some good work done on the girls' uh, spectrum as well. And the boys' side, Garaway has been dominating. They have a very uh, huge matchup with Sandy Valley later on this week. But I want to start off by talking about some Federal League action. Mitch, who do you see as atop the uh, league right now and the teams to look out for and the players to look out for in the area?
1: Mitch, right now it is still the team that has taken everybody by surprise atop the Federal League standings. The Glen Oak Golden Eagles, the boys' basketball team, remained unbeaten in Federal League play and overall this season when they knocked off Hoover Friday night 53-48. to It was a game that actually saw Glen Oak at one point go on a massive run in the second half. Don't have it right in front of me, but if I'm not mistaken, it was a 16-0 run to where they were just forcing Viking turnovers left and right with full court pressure. The Vikings could not handle it. Uh, what can you say about Glen Oak? They were led in the scoring by Zerker, who had 18. Uh, Davis had six, but just an all-time big-time win for the Glen Oak Golden Eagles. Hoover, you know, coming off that win last week against Hoover, getting a Federal League win was big-time. You have green, Mitch. That was our big-time sports game of the week where our broadcast team was at. Green going on the road and beating Lake 52-51. to That is a huge Federal league win for green to get back on track after they lost to Hoover last week in overtime, 49, 48. And green is now two and two, one and two overall in the fed lake, three and three overall two and two in the fed, just some very solid basketball between those two teams. Very well coached talent on both sides. And I have to imagine it's going to be that close again. When they meet again, McKinley went on the road and beat Perry in boys basketball this week. McKinley getting back in the win column, and Perry gave him a game. McKinley really mitch right now. I think is trying to find the true identity of what type of basketball team they are. It may have been a team that took all the press from the papers and the media during the preseason of, you know, kind of anointing them as preseason federal league champs and maybe they've just not woken up yet. But this is a team that you don't want to run into because at any given time they can probably hang with anybody in the state of Ohio. Jackson was the team this week in boys basketball that had their off week in the federal league. So that'll do it for the six federal league teams that were in action.
0: What can you tell us about the hardwood classic because there was a, a slate of games that were over in Massillon this past weekend, the big one being that Glen Oak escaped with a 60 to 59 victory over Akron Archbishop Hoban, which Ja'Cory Lipkins had a solid game, 15 points. And the video is on Twitter, and I'll make sure to try and link it into this uh, episode if I can. But he had a jumper at the top of the key that missed with the clock winding down, but he got his own rebound off of the the deflection off the board and basically made about a a free throw line or at least like a 10-foot jumper with about 1.4 seconds remaining. I don't believe that Hoban got a timeout in time to get another shot at it. So the Golden Eagles remained unbeaten this year. I believe they're at what, 6-0 and now?
1: So, yeah, I believe it is and 6-0. And that was actually Ja'Cory Lipkin's first game back since he left the second quarter against McKinley. And reminder, folks, that's a game that was at the field house and Glen Oak actually just completely opened the second half and stunned McKinley holding the Bulldogs at two points in the second half. But that's a huge win for Glen Oak yet again, Mitch. Not only that, second game in two nights and Lipkins comes back who really is their primary ball handler, primary scorer, really their best player that everybody knows about, right? We've talked about some of the sophomores on this team that maybe not everybody is familiar with yet, but Hoban is not a a slouch. This is a team that won the Twinsburg district last year, knocking off Jackson, the district championship. They knocked off another federal league team, I believe, in that same district. And Hoban is a very, very good basketball team, but Glen Oak right now, Mitch, they they are winning in all sorts of different ways, whether it's their defense stepping up like we saw against McKinley, once again, against Hoover or this time just really playing their style of basketball. And at the end of the day, at the end of the game, not giving up. And to your point, the video cuts off. I do not believe that Hoban got a timeout. And if they did, it was not enough time to get a shot off. As you know, you have to have at least three tenths to even have a chance to really, you know, catch and shoot the basketball, even though I don't think half the time that's enough. Um, so just, just a wild game at the hardwood classic this past weekend. And, it wasn't the only wild game. There were some wild games in girls basketball, but let's let's talk about some boys basketball over in uh, Tuscarawas County.
0: Well, as I mentioned before, uh, the big the top teams right now for the boys side have mainly been uh, Garraway and Sandy Valley. It's hot, the IVC South. Garraway and Sandy Valley both at four and zero in conference play, and they have a matchup coming this Tuesday which is, uh, in Sugar Creek which is going to be a huge one coming with this holiday break uh, up soon. Now Garraway is 5 and 0 on the year. Sandy Valley is 7 and 1. They only lost to Strasburg so far this year. Uh the Tigers uh as we mentioned before got out to a very good start 6 and 1 uh with a 2 and 1 record, but they got upended by Malvern this past weekend. Malvern remains at 6 and 0 overall, 3 and 0 in the IVC and I was at the game at strasburg this past week where malvern ended up beating them 68 to 49 it was honestly a, a, a top performance from beginning to end you had jay allen and jason barino who uh obviously transferred minerva who balled out especially in the first half and then mitchell minor really got things going i believe he had 24 points on the game to lead both teams and he was just sinking three pointers and Miner is a tall kid he's around six two six three i mean that's a serious height advantage, especially against a smaller size, more scrappy Tigers squad that can do very good things on defense, but Malvern just had too many answers for the Tigers to respond to. And I wonder if this is going to be a precursor to another Swazer matchup later on down the year against Malvern. And if we could see uh, possibly a third opportunity between the two squads uh, in the postseason because they did end up playing three times last year. Malvern took all three games. So, that's the sort of tricky situation that Strasburg has in their hands right now to deal with. And then you look at the rest of the standings where you have, of course, Malvern and Strasburg there. East Canton is kind of hovering at three and three, they're two and two in conference play. Buckeye trail does have a better overall record at four and two, but, but they only have one and one in conference play, according to uh, the recent updated standings, Indian Valley and Highland are interesting to me because who would have, I didn't, wouldn't have thought at the beginning of the year that Highland would be just behind indian valley in this current standing so far now they're both one and two in ivc play but indian valley is at four and two highland is at three and four right now which is uh one of the tougher starts the hawks program has gotten out to in recent years obviously it's a program still trying to refine its footing but at the same time it's a very well organized system they have out in berlin I'm sure they're going to have a run here uh, coming up very later in the year. And you mentioned the, we mentioned some of the girls uh, stuff that's been going on. The girls for Highland. Still dominant in the IVC. They are 5-0 and o in conference play right now. Ashley Mullett looks like, again, one of the runaway player of the year candidates. She is just dominating offensively, uh, scoring at least 24 points per game right now for Highland. Tusky Valley, though, right behind them at 3-0. and o, They're 6-1 and one overall. And then Claymont and Sandy Valley also have winning records in that stacked IVC South. In the, in the north, it's between Central, Malvern, and Strasburg. Central's got the advantage over Strasburg right now because they beat them in New Philadelphia earlier this year. Central's five and zero in conference play compared to the four and one that Malvern and Strasburg have over each other. So those are the three teams to really look out uh, look out for on the IVC North girls side. Of course, Buckeye Trail might sneak in there. They're five and two and two and two in the conference play and that is all we have for the basketball side of the high school basketball side excuse me of this episode of the bts podcast show we return we're going over to the uh other stages of athletics including uh a celebration of victory and a go through of some crazy crazy occurrences this past weekend in sports stay with us
2: Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish.
1: You deserve the best, and at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris.
3: You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, We're here to protect your future as well.
2: Call Ben Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867.
3: We
4: all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org.
0: When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinnell and Mitchell Bally here to talk now over to the NFL. Mitch, first of all, we not only get to experience a victory Monday here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show after the Cleveland Browns beat the Baltimore Ravens 13-3 to on Saturday night, but we also get a victory Sunday, which is very rare for us. Usually if we're celebrating a, uh, if, we're, if we're going through a Brownsless NFL Sunday, it's usually because we had a, had a Thursday night matchup or we're awaiting the Monday night game. Saturday is very interesting and we have it again because it's Christmas Eve coming up here this coming week.
1: I'm not complaining. I'm, no. I'm not complaining at all at the same time. Uh, Browns three, zero on days they don't play on Sunday and when they play in prime time. So isn't that you know, nuts? I mean, I don't time. know if
0: I, I don't know if I would call NFL network on 4:30 PM prime. Well, 4:50 PM because of what, what happened uh, we'll get to later on in the show, but Browns did what they had to do. I'm happy to see that the team looked a little more composed than they did against Cincinnati, much more composed than they did against Cincinnati, and it does look like Deshaun Watson's getting a little more back in tune. Uh, the guy had, I wouldn't say he had an amazing game, but he certainly did the the stuff that he needed to accomplish in the conditions that we were playing in, especially when Baltimore's offense looks like it is an absolute shambles right now as it's trying to work its way through the AFC North. But after yesterday, I really don't know if Baltimore will be able to keep pace with Cincinnati.
1: No, it doesn't seem like it, but to your point, the Browns did seem extremely composed. They played the style of football they are supposed to play, Mitch. How many times this year did we see games where you want to beat the drum to run the ball, but we would just never run the ball, and we handed the ball off to Nick Chubb, who did not start the way he probably wanted to, but as you continue to run the football, the other team will wear down, and Nick Chubb, with some big runs late in the game, really helped the Browns put this away. The defense, Mitch, has played two very good games in their last three games, obviously, not the Bengals, which is crazy because we're down about like four, five, six starters on the defense right now. Yep. But it's hard because you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment because of what some of the things we've talked about, and those don't just go away here as we play these last four games down the stretch when we talk about the defensive coordinator and the change that we think should be made, uh, whether or not you're in on the head coach of the Browns, the special team right. coordinator. But the Browns did what they had to do, and they made Tyler Huntley look like a backup. I think yeah. that everybody last year was a prisoner of Tyler Huntley coming in off the bench with no film to be found of him playing in the NFL. And really kept the Ravens in every single game he played in. Now I don't think he won any that he started. He did win one game he came off the bench in relief of Lamar against the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But Tyler Huntley is a backup quarterback, and I think it's pretty obvious to obvious now. And that is why I think the Ravens, you know, are hopeful. And I think it's expected Lamar Jackson will be back this week because. As they still sit pretty in that top wildcard spot, Mitch, the AFC all of a sudden is getting very cloudy on who is going to be the three wildcard teams in the playoffs. And some teams keep winning. But for the Browns, Deshaun Watson looked better. Your defense played well. Denzel Ward made a big play when you needed him to. He actually made two plays. He had an interception, another one where J.K. Ro- J.K. Dobbins excuse me, had a run in the first quarter. Yes. And Denzel Ward forced him back and then was able to make a, a tackle or else – I don't know if Dobbins would have scored just because you see the speed is not there yet coming off the knee injuries and everything. But it's a good win for the Browns. I always like beating the Ravens. Uh, you know, I, I I hate the Baltimore Ravens with a passion. So it's always good to get a win like that. But there's still some major question marks mentioned. One is our kicking situation with Cade York.
0: Well, okay. People had problems with Cade's performance and I don't blame them. He was two of four on Saturday and had some, and the misses that he had were not good. They were what when you have maybe the best kicker in the league right now going one of three and granted one of those was a huge block by Jordan Elliott. That made me think like, okay, maybe we can pump the brakes on harping on Cade York a little bit. I do think there is a case to be made that he just in time needs to learn about touch. And keep in mind, when I say this, I'm not saying that I know more than a guy who actually kicks for the, in the NFL for live, but a lot of kicks that Cade York performs in games no matter where he's he's on the field, it always feels like he's trying to kick it from 60 yards out. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because we know the guy has a strong leg. We know the guy is, is capable of stuff like this. We saw it in week one, but when you're not accustomed to the professional league, especially coming as such a high pick in the draft, it can prove to be a still daunting task, no matter how good of a player you were at the uh, scholastic level or at the collegiate level, it's just that sort of that mindset you really have to make for yourself, especially playing in a place like Cleveland where late in the year you're probably going to have to deal with certain uh, weather conditions like this.
1: And it's only going to get worse as they play again this Saturday in Cleveland with a high of 15 degrees, expected wind gusts from 25 to 50 miles per hour. I mean, Mitch, let's be honest here. The weather they played in the other night, some people on a national stage might have thought, oh, that weather is awful. It really wasn't that bad for a December football game in Cleveland, right. Ohio. think accustomed to I mean, from what we've seen growing up, that really was nothing. It was small snow flurries, yeah. about 30, 30 degrees. I'm sure the wind obviously had the real feel but colder. But at the same at the same time, Cade York, he's a rookie. He's missed some kicks that have kind of cost you games. You look back to the Jets game with a missed extra point. He missed yeah. kicks against the Chargers. He has the most missed field goals in the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. He's twenty two of thirty, which ranks dead last, and he is twenty nine to thirty one extra points, so he's missed two extra points, but the one obviously is a major miss against the Jets because it's right. completely different outcome if he makes that, which actually ranks 22nd. And you just wonder what what is going through his head, what's going through our special teams coach head, and everything, because right now, Mitch, if we're going in chronological order, the game we're going to talk about next, we saw two kickers play in the game before the Browns. That were both Cleveland Browns at one point, and Chase McLaughlin and Greg Joseph, that both had excellent days kicking the football. Granted, I know they were inside. Yeah, but at the same time, there's kind of a history. All of a sudden, of us giving up on kickers and cutting them, and they find a new home and they're fine.
0: Well, I mean, it's 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 typically not rare that you get a. It's typically rare to get a veteran kicker with years of experience. At least in the case of the Browns' actions over the la, uh, many seasons now, we usually go for younger guys that we can help try to develop. And when they can't, they just jettison off. And and mainly for what the, at the time seems like good reason. They miss a huge kick. They get really rattled. They get major mistakes being made. But then they get a second opportunity. And with a lot of guys in the league, they're able to drill that mindset into their heads of like, I can do this now. With Cade, it's, still, it's, it's still going to be a work in progress here. We can't put too many expectations. You want to have... I'm having a trouble saying this. You want to have enough expectation on him that it was worth the pick that was used on him. What Was it in the fourth round? round pick. But at the same time, there's a reason kickers don't usually go this high. It's because it's a it's a it's a it's a very tricky position to master, it for coaches and for the player himself. Give it at least two more years. Give it at least two years. If he doesn't get it by then you move on but right. i mean there was that stat i saw uh i, I was on twitter a, a few days ago and i saw this stat where it was like phil dawson's um kick percentage after x amount of games however many games Cade York has played it was in the 60s Cade Yorks is in the early 70s right now so even phil dawson didn't master this when he started playing early on in his career so if york is right. given a little bit more time to develop then i can see it being uh, better
1: I'm not saying we move off him, not at all. And they wouldn't move off him anyway because he was a draft pick. We know how Andrew Barry keeps the players he drafted for a while, no matter what. And we've seen it now in the the tenure he's been the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not saying get rid of him, but I'm just saying it is somewhat worrisome, but you have to give him a full year because this is a kid that grew up in Texas. This is a kid that then kicked in the South that hasn't really had to deal with much weather other than the fog game in Florida where he kicked the game winner. You hope he can get it corrected, but it is something to, you know, if this continues next year, you start to have doubts. And, you know, where do you go from there? Because after week one, it was, we have a kicker because yeah. last year we didn't have a yeah. kicker. And now it's, you know, misses here. And to your point, they weren't close misses. There was a kick yesterday, I believe, from Elliott of the Eagles. He kicked it in Chicago. It looked like it was going and all of a sudden it just blew right and right off the crossbar. Like that's, to me, that's different than what we saw from Cade York pulling. A kick that wasn't even close on Saturday and then another one going wide right. I mean
0: and that and that's to, the sort of thing why I don't love when people agreed with what there was the one yeah. shot the week before in Cincinnati, right before halftime, Cade York wanted to trot out and what make a 67-yarder what was 67
1: to 69, something something like
0: there. that. I looked at that and I was like, good, good. They don't need to send him out there. Just because you have a strong enough leg, it doesn't guarantee he's going to be accurate and it doesn't. At best, you're going to get three points on the board. And I know the offense was really struggling that day, so three points probably would have been meant more than it usually would. But I was like, I was fine with them not deciding to go for that kick because it's like he's not guaranteed to make that,
1: right? And how many times have we seen his kicks get blocked this year? And then all of a sudden, you're having to talk about what happens if it's a, cl- a clean block and somebody from the Bengals picks it up and runs the other way, or Mitch and a kick that long. The Bengals were more than likely going to have a returner back there, and now you're asking your big lineman that are in there to block so your field goal kicker has protection to try to go tackle a skill position player when realistically the guy closest to speed might end up being your holder kicker or long snapper. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of get the Browns not doing that. Plus, you throw it down to the end zone, get a PI. It is what it is, but that was obviously a week ago against the Bengals. Happy to get a win. The Browns, you know, courting here, Still a 0.7% chance to make the playoffs. They're still alive. They're on the screen when they bring up the in-the-hunt teams. But yeah, they are. They're going to need some help because if the Jets and Patriots each lose two more games and the Chargers, Dolphins, or Ravens lose out and the Browns run the table and the Jags don't win out, we're going to get in. But if none of that happens, just if one of those things that don't happen I just said, the Browns aren't making the playoffs. And I'm not sitting here expecting them to make the playoffs because – to me, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. You don't make your run to make the playoffs here late in the year. You do what the Bengals do. You tread water early in the year, and you play your best football now, and that's why they've won six in a row.
0: No kidding, especially the way they won in, in Tampa Bay yesterday. It makes me really question if Ta- Tampa Bay Bay's still probably going to, probably is the key word here, probably going to win the NFC South because the other teams are really that bad. But – We'll see what happens there. But that's not the game I want to talk about. We had three overtime games this weekend, Mitch. And all of them were were amazing in the way that they ended. And we'll get to the one at the end last. The first one was the Dallas Cowboys blowing their lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Dak throwing a pick six that glances off your receiver's hands. And Jacksonville, I, I I thought it was interesting that they beat Tennessee last week in Nashville. Now, the Jaguars are six and eight. They would win a tiebreaker over Cleveland and Las Vegas based on their uh, win percentage in the conference or, yeah, in conference games. But Tennessee right now is seven and seven. Ryan Tannehill gets an injury during that game that they lost to the Chargers, who are now still in the hunt as well, still eight and six. And if Jacksonville wins out, then they take this division. They take this. AFC South, which much like the NFC South, has been very underachieving this year, has been at times very, very subpar. But could we see a Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson recovery to the play and That's similar to what you're saying about the rounds. Do they, do they deserve to get into the playoffs?
1: I You don't want to say yes. You don't want to say no. They've had some games where, Mitch, they look like a bad football team. Let's be honest. They look like the same team that we saw last year, led by Urban Meyer. There's other games where they look very, very good. I think the thing that you have to watch out for is the fact they play the Titans the last game of the season. Yeah. Which very well could be come down for the division. It'll be interesting to see what happens because there's going to be a few games, Mitch, that I think could be flexed into the primetime spot on Sunday night. Yep. Because they could be for divisions or playoff spots. I believe the, the Dolphins and Jets play each other in week 18. That could be something for a wild card spot the Titans and Jaguars, but I'm still going to roll with the Titans until proven otherwise, especially when you find out. I got a fun little, fun little stat here for you. Sure. Derrick Henry, 7,996 career rushing yards after
0: yesterday. A lot of yards.
1: 3,805 of those yards have come against the Colts, Jaguars, and Texans. Makes sense. He averages over 105 yards and one touchdown a game every time he plays a team in the AFC South. We know it's hard to stop him. You'd think a team inside his own division would you know, have somewhat of a game plan to stop him. But until I see the Titans are not in that spot and the Jaguars clinch it, I'm still going to roll with the Titans. But there is real doubts for the Titans. Like you said, Tannehill goes down. He came back but a heavily wrapped ankle. But the Cowboys, Mitch, I think got caught in a trap game because they play the Eagles next week. And I think they were so focused on knowing that they could play the Eagles, a division that is not wrapped up yet, but with an Eagles win on Saturday night could be wrapped up. Yes. Because the Eagles will have only clinched a playoff spot, but with the Eagles winning yesterday and the Cowboys losing, it now means an Eagles win will clinch the NFC East on this upcoming Saturday.
0: It's going to be an interesting one. And really quick about philadelphia they of course beat chicago because chicago cannot win a close game to save their lives but man that justin fields highlight made me more and more excited about what this kid could accomplish with a good team um but going back to the overtime games we had that game we had well i don't believe this was an overtime game but this is the one where that ended in a crazy way the patriots and the raiders does is this is this this has to be top three worst nfl plays of all time depending on the circumstance and the decision that was made by Jacoby Myers.
1: Yeah. uh, I can say that I've never seen a game in like this before. I'm pretty sure I'm confident in in saying that you never have either. Uh, I would definitely say it's top three wildest finishes, if not the top wildest finish and also top three, just most embarrassing moments of all time. Uh, I do want to give Jacoby Myers credit because after the game, Mitch, he owned it at the locker. He said he was just trying to make a play. He wasn't thinking he knows he should have gone down. It was not a play. Like, that was not a play that Bill Belichick and the Patriots no. drew up. At the same time, though, when you're in the heat of a moment like that, why did Ramond stevenson just not fall down? And I think maybe that kind of, you know, triggered something in Jacoby Myers' head thinking, oh, maybe I am supposed to be throwing the ball around. At the same time, why would you ever throw it back to your quarterback? Because your quarterback is not going to outrun the defensive coverage unless it's maybe Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields. Yeah. Definitely Mac Jones picked off by Chandler Jones.
0: And then, challenge was just truck smack. The fact that that has not become a meme yet, I'm surprised by. But at the same time, that was just like, oh, no, I, I saw that play alive, And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. But then that's the same reaction I had to the more embarrassing performance this past weekend, which was, again. Like, I don't know how the Vikings are doing this. I don't I think they're at least a good team. I'm surprised that they are the record that they are right now at 11 and 3 especially after the way that first half was looked to be the most exposing of a team I'd ever seen in my entire life of that record caliber Indianapolis in that first half was pulling stunts on the Vikings that I could not believe block punt for a touchdown fumble uh turnover on downs interception return for a touchdown and then I should have seen the omen, Mitch. I think I texted you this. I saw a New England Patriots jersey in a crowd shot in Minnesota. I'm not kidding. If you, if they play, if you were to go back and watch CBS's uh replay of the entire game, I guarantee you I can point out the moment I saw a Patriots jersey. I don't know who which player was, a Patriots jersey was in that crowd. And then the Vikings at one point outscored them 28 to 3 in the second half. I'm sure that doesn't, doesn't mean anything. And then the way that they win in overtime is just like with Indianapolis going for it and having forty year old Matt Ryan just try to get that first down, I was I was surprised they went for it. and then to see this this has been I, I'm surprised no one said this is Minnesota miracle too.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, this is honestly a miracle. It's the largest lone lead in NFL history um and i did not watch the first half at all actually i actually texted you because i was looking at the score on my laptop it was actually getting ready to broadcast but you know when you're pulling double duty you always got to be locked in on scores and i did pick the colts i felt confident mitch but i also did text you at 134 then when it wasn't even 30 to nothing i am fully prepared to go call this basketball game and come back to see the vikings came back and they did i got home in time when it was 36 uh 21, I think. Okay, to see the last few touchdowns, it, it just I w- any other team, I think it would have been confident. I thought the Colts had a shot to beat the Vikings just because I think they're fraudulent. I think mm-hmm. they're a good football team. They're not right. the second
0: team, in right? No,
1: but I did text you that to show that I was aware that it was probably going to you know there was a strong likelihood it would happen. I just don't know what was said in the locker room at halftime for the Colts. Let alone after the game. I don't know what you could possibly say. There's not a whole lot you could say. I don't know if I, as a coach, if I'd be able to walk in there and say anything to my players. Um, and poor Matt Ryan now has the largest blown playoff and Super Bowl lead yeah, in NFL history, twenty-eight that to three. Sucks. And now has the largest blown deficit in NFL history all around of thirty-three. Nothing. Give credit to the Vikings. They don't give up. And Justin Jefferson is that guy. He is the top wide receiver in football this year. I don't. I, I'm not going to really listen to anybody that wants to you know argue that i don't really know what to say about the vikings anymore i'm just going to kind of enjoy where a ride that they're
0: on that's the part that's part of what made the first half so humiliating for me at least is that jefferson at one point got like looked like a stinger at first and you're thinking oh they're going to lose their top receiver too and then he comes back and does that and uh yeah that was just does that game do you think the colts move immediately like automatically move on from saturday after that after the season?
1: I don't think we've ever seen an interim head coach fired in the middle of the season.
0: No, 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 I'm not saying middle of the season. I'm saying well, at the end of the year, they, they go get a head yes, coach.
1: 100%. 100%. They're, they're done with Jeff Saturday, but I also wouldn't have been shocked if this morning we would have seen Jeff Saturday getting fired mm. because that's just, you don't, you don't see that. But at the same time, you've also never seen an interim head coach get fired. Mm. We know the Colts have pretty much wanted the season. But just, I mean, you want to talk about two absolute meltdowns. This happened against Dallas, Mitch. I mean, that that was a game between the Colts and the Cowboys. 21-19, yep. Meltdown. And this is just, I I don't have words for it. I don't know anybody else that does have words for it besides Viking fans saying, we knew they could do it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't.
0: No, you didn't.
1: Especially with how the game started. It wasn't like the Colts offense was torching you. It was a bunch of special teams plays, and the Colts offense didn't even get started, really. McLaughlin hit five field goals, and really, Mitch, if Matt Ryan gets that first down on the fourth and one quarterback sneak, the game's game's over. over. I thought the game was
0: over when Minnesota um, couldn't convert on the drive. That should have been a touchdown after that replay showed that the ball was out by the time he was, the runner was called down and Minnesota, they deserve that touchdown. I thought that's such a crap. That is such bull crap. But that was a rough weekend for the referees too.
1: Oh, all over the NFL. It was an awful weekend for the referees. You had one ref yesterday, Talking to a white hat official whose mic was on talking about, why don't we just do this instead? I mean, leading obviously to other people with storylines everywhere talking about, oh, my gosh, is the NFL rigged? Not a good look for referees across the NFL yesterday. Some questionable calls in the Chiefs and Texans game, Mitch, which that game went to overtime. It was another overtime game. The Chiefs. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, that's the one. That's so stupid. I mean, look, give credit to the Texans for battling into Dallas and Kansas City, but, like, there's no reason you should be in overtime against these guys. Don't give me that whole any given Sunday thing. Granted, they're they they got going to get their draft uh, stock. They lost. I, I literally said during the game, it's like, do they not want Bryce Young? But at the same time, that kind of exposed the Chiefs a little bit to where right now my top two teams in the East are B- Buffalo and Cincinnati because Buffalo also beat the Dolphins in uh, Buffalo this week. Miami played better than a lot of people, a lot of pundits, we're giving them regarding the snow, but uh, Buffalo did what they had to do. Yeah, they did, and
1: it was an awesome scene. I loved seeing the fans throw snowballs. I thought it was kind of funny that they stopped the game, yeah. telling the fans stop throwing snowballs, uh, because I would be doing the same exact thing if it was in Cleveland. But I mean, Mitch, that the players have pads and helmets on; they're not going to hurt a player.
3: They Actually,
0: do. A, a snowball could get through that face mask, though, and if it's full of ice, and that can really hurt somebody.
1: A lot of them wear visors. They do. A lot of-
0: they do, even, even during night games, and and then again, you have people on the sideline too that aren't right. in pads helmets, so yeah, that, they can get crossfire. Game
1: though for the snowballs on the sideline, yeah, there was a play in the end zone. Their snowballs were being thrown during the middle of the play. Like I, I yeah. you're watching a play in the end zone develop, and you see white <laughs> balls just all over the it, sky coming down. It's like, like, all right, that to me, I can understand. You know, maybe. To your point, maybe it goes in somebody's face mask. Maybe yeah. it gets in the way of my sight. Who knows? I just—it was an awesome game, o- awesome atmosphere. So everybody that's out there that says we need to build domes, no, go home, find something else to argue about. That is why I love, love cold weather football. And the Dolphins did play better. I'm not worried about them like I was after their two games on the West Coast, um, both against the Niners and the Chargers. But the Dolphins are also in trouble now too. Much. I mean, given where the playoff seedings and everything are, you know, if they slip up again, right? Like the well,
0: well, they're still and second. The, the last yeah. few is going to still be second in the great. East right now. I, I don't. Well, Patriots and the Jets catching up to them. Do you really see that happening to to Miami? I
1: I don't see it happening to Miami, but Miami still has a tough road. They play the Packers next week. Now, granted, it's in Miami, but the Packers are a team that's still alive in the NFC. And anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, I'm not going to count you out. So it's. It's going to get real interesting here the next couple weeks, Mitch. I'm so excited for coming down the stretch.
0: Me too. Packers play the Rams, by the way. And as far as our uh, tonight, at least as far as our game predictions went so far, I'm 11 and four. I'm surprised it was that good. Cause all I could focus on was the Falcons losing to the saints barely after getting that huge lead uh, the Patriots and the way they lost. I'm the only person that picked the Patriots. Of course. Uh, one of the guys picked the Steelers. We all picked the Panthers. And I'm, I regret that. And then Sunday night, man, I thought Washington was going to pull it out, but the giants battled back and, you know they're 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 in third now in the East, and, and that NFC East could still be all represented in the playoffs. But the Giants now have that edge with the first one being a tie. So I'm eleven and four. You're ten and five. No matter what happens tonight, uh, we'll still be one game gap of each other. And then of course Tyler is going to win it at twelve and three. So that's cool. Um, well, at least I think he is. Do we pick both of the? We picked the Packers, yeah. So that's yeah. It's no matter what.
1: Mitch, before we move on, sure, we got to give respect. To the Detroit Lions. Oh, of course. Nope. Thank you for reminding me. Seven and seven. An absolute debacle by the New York Jets coaching staff with time. Uh, Yeah. Do you get caught with little to no time on the clock and you're lining up to kick a field goal to tie the game? And as time expires, you still have two timeouts that you can't carry timeouts. Mitch, I don't understand how NFL coaches are so. Blinded by the timeouts they have and, and just the mismanagement of clock by NFL head coaches across the league is just incredible. It really is. Like I somebody hire me. I'm pretty good at calling timeouts in Madden. That's really what you have to do because a lot of these coaches can't even do it themselves, let alone have anybody on their team tell them when to call timeouts. I mean, it's it's remarkable. And the Jets really cost themselves there having a shot to maybe get a little more field position or better field position to kick a game tying field goal and with the loss now they drop out of the playoffs spot. they they're out of the top 7
0: right yeah they're with the patriots as we mentioned uh before he, so he had one timeout left before the field after the field goal was kicked
4: yeah that's, um,
0: that's true yeah I, it's true that i was trying to like read up on why his his strategy for keeping it, it was uh I understand the thinking of you don't want to waste timeouts too early so that if you have the clock ticking down, let's say, with, like, 17 seconds left, and you run a play, and you can't get out of bounds, that's a hard that's a hard play to recover from. Yeah, I, I'm trying to read Sol's quote here. It says, with three timeouts, I feel anything in bounds, obviously. You can be aggressive just trying to save as many timeouts as I can. I can probably look back at it and say we could have used one for sure, but at the same time, when you have three timeouts, time is not an issue whether you use one or not yeah i could always in hindsight for me call a timeout to settle the guys down but as far as from a time standpoint you still have plenty of time with three timeouts so that's okay um you didn't use it. did not use it i mean i don't know that's that's such a weird and, and, and based what was it 58 yards away i mean i don't know how, how much yardage you're going to be able to gain if you take a play and then kick the field goal because you either have to you have to make the completion in order to get yardage. And if you're going to run, then that could risk running off a number of seconds, even if you get a big gain. So I don't, I, That's this is why we're not, I'm not an NFL head coach and it's, it's a very tricky business, but that's all I got. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, some international affairs, maybe one of the best international games, if not one of the best overall games I've ever seen in my entire life. Right after this.
4: The
5: Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216 hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from five to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org more information
3: if you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck why not see the Parkway Auto Group Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on commercial Parkway in Dover eight brands and one family it's Parkway Auto Group it takes a lot of practice to have a winning team Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate title and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison counties and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 334 5800, or visit their website albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you.
5: Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter
0: too alt care alt care alt care where you matter Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Balla, Mitch, if you woke up on Sunday morning, I don't know if the first thing you would necessarily choose to do is to watch a soccer match. But if you were watching a particular soccer match on Sunday, you would have been witness to what I consider to be one of the greatest sporting events of our young lifetimes. Many for And maybe for our older audience, your slightly longer lifetimes. Trying to be careful there.
1: That was one of the greatest sporting events I've ever seen in my life. By far the greatest soccer match I've ever seen in my life. It was electric. You have people already that are just casual soccer fans, Mitch, talking about how excited they are for the 2026 World Cup already. You know, maybe hoping the U.S. can do something similar, but it's going to be hard to even replicate that because obviously four years till then, but when you have two of the top three or arguably the top two players in the world, in their sport, playing and one is going for the GOAT title in Lionel Messi, mm-hmm. and Mbappe puts on a show with a hat trick in the final. You got to see excellence at its finest, and it's that's ho- what
0: it it's honestly the way that this match went to the World Cup final between Argentina and France. France, the of course, the reigning cup champions. Argentina hasn't won since, hadn't won since what, 1986, I think. Yep. yep. Diago Maradona. And um, it, the way it starts off, you think, oh great, Argentina is going to get this. After this whole tournament where they lose to Saudi Arabia, shockingly, in the first game, largest upset in cup history, then they keep winning. Then they keep doing all these things. You get up 2 nothing early on. Messi scores one of the goals. You're like, all right, this is in the bag. We got it. And then in the 80-something minute, Mbappe, turned the game completely on its head by scoring two goals in like 90 seconds. Yep. And, and the way that that game became so intense. Like I remember getting intense for when the U S was playing Iran in a, in a pool game. I can only imagine what it's like on the actual championship, stage where millions upon millions of people are watching you alone in the stadium. I know it's not actually a million people, but it feels like it based on the, the intensity and the way you see those crowds, which even dwarf something like a college football stadium here. And then you go to extra time and you see the way Messi scores a second goal where it's like a scrum right near the goal line. He kicks it past the line. It's kicked back out, but they call it a goal. It was very close. I don't know if you saw this. It was very close to an offsides by his teammate. Like they even showed on the thing. It's like if he had just been one inch further, it would have been wiped away. And then you see Mbappe get that penalty on the, on what is it? It's like a handball, but it didn't hit his hand. He gets the penalty kick, and I could not believe what we were witnessing. And then you go to penalty kicks. Penalty kicks, which I was surprised they started off with. um, I didn't know that. I don't really know the the logic of penalty kicks in soccer. I I didn't know that you usually start off with your best kicker first. So seeing Messi and Mbappe both make their first goals, like, oh, wow, this is cool. There was somebody on Twitter who I really like. They said, uh, we should have just had Messi and Mbappe kick all the penalty kicks. That would have been really fun. But, um, of course, Argentina was able to uh, uh, pull it out. Great plays, by the way, by Martinez on those penalty kick saves as well as late in extra time. There was one goal where, like, France had a wide-open shot very closely and and Martinez was able to get his hands on it and slap it away.
1: It was incredible. And going back, you mentioned you don't – you weren't sure, you know, some people were like, why are, you know, Messi and Mbappe kicking first? I think a lot of people were confused because just a week or so ago, Portugal or Brazil, I'm not good with this, where whoever Ronaldo plays for.
0: Portugal, um, yeah.
1: They went to penalty kicks and Ronaldo never got a shot because they put him fifth. And always this strategy on trying to decide where to put it. And my whole thing is you want to put the pressure on the other team right away. I put my best player first, or Mitch, I put him third because you're guaranteed he's going to get a kick either way, even if you're down two nothing. The penalty kicks right away, so I think a lot of people were going back to Portugal when they didn't even see Ronaldo attempt a PK. Like Ugh. I texted somebody right away saying, "Why would you not have your best player, who's arguably the third best player in the world? If you don't agree with that, then he's top five. Yeah. Get a shot to really keep your team alive in quest for a World Cup championship." But to see Messi and Mbappe go back to back was incredible. It's what the entire world deserved. And I, for one, am extremely excited for 2026 in the World Cup already. And Mitch, what we saw yesterday is going to be hard to ever see again in our lifetime, I I think, unless these two teams somehow meet again. And even then, (laughs) Messi will probably be on the downside of his career, just given four more years, you know, he's up there.
0: Yeah, Which, I, don't even, I don't even know if he'll be in the next cup, to be honest. Him, him right or Ronaldo.
1: And he won't need to be because now he is considered the GOAT. The one thing that Messi was missing out of everything you could possibly have was a World Cup win. And Argentina got it. Messi got it. And Messi also now, outside of soccer, is the owner of the most liked Instagram post in yeah. the history of Instagram. He broke it this morning when he went over 43 million followers. Mitch, I checked again at 130 today. He was at, he was over 47,809,115 likes. So not only did he break the record, he is continuing to set the record for most likes on a social media post on Instagram. And it's obviously him holding up the World Cup. And I don't know if you saw the video of Argentina after the win. That place looked incredible. And you just rewind a month or so ago, man. It's just a team that got upset by Saudi Arabia, the largest upset in. World Cup history, yeah. but it was just a pool play, so it didn't mean a whole lot. And right. you wonder maybe that woke Argentina up, realizing that hey, we have to play a lot better. But a hat trick and you lose, and you still hit the first penalty kick for Mbappe is is you know sickening to say almost as just a casual fan. But I was pulling for Argentina. I actually have yeah. an uncle who's from Argentina, so somewhat family ties to that. But w- what a match! You can't, <clears throat> you cannot script it up any better. FIFA had it. Exactly how it should have been, and the world was treated to that, and then fortunately had to watch Andy Dalton and Desmond Ritter play.
0: That that was another thing too. I think it was Bomani Jones who tweeted, "Imagine going from this game to Bears and Eagles at 1 p.m. on uh on Fox, which uh, which is pretty funny." But uh, yeah, that, and then that was another thing too. One of the soccer announcers for the game Saturday or Sunday said, "Uh." Well, if this is your first time watching World Cup soccer and you're just joining us, this is always how it is. This is always this is, this is this is always how great it is, uh, even though we can clearly tell it's not like that all the time. But it is a great way for this cup to end, even through all the critique criticisms and the controversies surrounding this cup. They found a way. Sports always finds a way to to sometimes scrub out all the world, a lot of the world's problems with just a group of people fighting against one another in in well, I guess not combat, but just for sport. For lack of a better word, uh, I was also looking at this thing here too. Apparently, Messi, well, I don't know if Messi has the most like picture, but he might have the most like picture in terms of like a real person. Cause you remember that, you remember that picture of an egg from a few years ago that got the most yeah. likes on Instagram? Yeah. Currently, it, it's still up. Currently, it's at 56,198,689 likes, which that was, of course, in response to Kylie Jenner having the record a few years ago. And then Messi yesterday, uh, his post, Currently at forty eight million six hundred seven thousand two hundred fifty six. These numbers, of course, mean nothing other than what they are shown on Instagram. So that was just me doing some pointless math, much like all math. <laughs> no, I'm not not going to say that. My grandfather, <laughs> my grand no, my grandfather was a math teacher for many years, and he he helped me out more than I probably deserved uh, throughout my school years. So that's all we got for this third segment. When we come back, we'll get to our final segment here, talking more uh, American sports right after this. <laughs>
4: We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org.
3: Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our Van Can assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business and we can guide you there.
2: Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process you'll find a wide selection of model homes on-site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish.
1: You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises But when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris.
4: Think Ferris!
0: When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Ballet here. Excuse me. My mic was off. Uh, so now we're going to our final segment where we go into some other stuff involving sports. Mitch, Star Cavaliers. Because I was at the game Friday night in which Dallas uh, and Cleveland went into overtime. And Cleveland won 100-99 at overtime. By the way, the scoring uh, margin was 4-3. to So that was cool. Um This is the second win for the Cavs, I believe, since we last went on the air. Uh, They ended up coming back against the Pacers on um, Friday night. Mitch, the way the Cavaliers are still winning, which I like. The Cavaliers are winning at home, which I very much like. It really feels like the Fieldhouse is becoming a very difficult place for teams to win now. That said, the performances for about six of the nine periods that the Cavs have played over the last two games have been a little peculiar, to say the least. I know we talked about if we're comfortable with the Cavs on our last episode. and We both said we're pretty much fine right now because we're leaps and bounds ahead of what I think some people thought we'd ever be at this stage. Do you think, I mean what What kind of level do you think fans should have, and if they are worried about certain aspects about the Cavaliers team? should it be like, "Oh, you're just overreacting or when it comes to the latter stage of the regular season or the playoffs, is that just sort of a thing where it's like you got to keep it in the back of your head that this team at times can go on some certain spells?
1: I would say it's still early enough to where you could say we're overreacting. The teams you just did it against so, Mitch. A shorthanded Mavericks team that was without five players, it took you to overtime. Yes. Granted, it was the second night of a back-to-back, but for both teams. But the Cavs obviously they looked tired. They looked like their legs were heavy. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had scored what 41 the night before against Indiana comes back with 25. Didn't look like his jumper was all there. But Mitch, you're really going to find out now in the next four because you played the Jazz tonight. You play the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Nets at home. Those are all four teams that are you'd expect to be in the playoffs at the end of the year. And you're going to see what happens when you play a team at full strength. Obviously, that's us assuming these four teams are going to be at full strength. Obviously, they might hold a guy out here there. What's going to happen when you're down to these really, really, really talented and, and proven teams? You're not going to be able to come back all the time. Now, it's awesome to see the Cavs come back because it, it at least makes us know that even when we're down 10 to 15 points, the game's not over or out of reach. You just don't want to see this on a consistent basis because you exert so much energy trying to come back. And that's what the Cavs did Friday night against Indiana. And then for them to try to do it the next night against Dallas, you saw them really struggle against a team that they really should have put away early, Mitch, because Dallas was without one of the top three players right now in basketball. Okay, yeah. And they got it done, though. That's all that matters, right? They got it done. They won by a point in overtime. but Yeah it's early enough to where you can say you're overreacting but if we're having this conversation come february and march then we're not overreacting anymore we have a real cause for concern i think
0: we shall see and and i give credit to dallas simply because they just shot out of their minds from the three point line kemba kemba walker looked 10 years younger on on saturday night 32 points and he'd only he'd only been playing two games this year but he was averaging 7 points before that and then he had a solid night uh, christian wood uh, tall guy. It's like that. what's like with Mitch Minor a few segments ago. It's just. It's not fair to see that tall of a guy be able to stroke three-pointers like that. It's unbelievable. Uh, and then the Cavs really did not have a good three-point shooting night. 7 of 36, 19.4%. Your best performer was Mitchell, who got it going later on in the game. And then Jared Allen had a few moments in the latter stages. Uh, he had the go-ahead dunk with two minutes in overtime to, to go along with 15 rebounds. And even Isaac Okoro, like guys like him, had a decent night, ten points shooting. Even though I still, have, I have a wonderance of if it'll be him or Lavertas that solidified fifth man. Of course, you know who knows what's going to happen when Dean Wade comes back. Kevin Love really struggled from the three point line as well that game, and that was just tough to watch. But I'm still, I'd rather have these problems and be winning rather than, you know, everything else has been going on in the last few seasons for the Cavaliers. And the Cavs are actually sitting, I believe, pretty high in the standings. They are now third, two games behind Milwaukee and Boston for the top spot. In the East, of course, like you mentioned, Milwaukee this week will be a huge test at home. And who knows where the Cavs will be by the end of this week. We're ahead of Brooklyn right now. We're ahead of Philly. We're ahead of the Knicks. The Knicks, honestly, man, this is the year where I think that they stop becoming... People, are, people can stop making fun of them to a point. Like, they're not going to... It's not going to be like that same joke over and over. Where it's the same old Knicks to the point where even Disney was making fun of them a few years ago, and I'll explain that to you after the show. But they've they've had a decent team right now, seventeen and thirteen, ahead of Miami and Atlanta. Which again, that's such a weird thing that they're seven and eight right now. But even though a lot of teams are playing very well in the East,
1: you're you're spot on. And I, I all I'm going to say is you mentioned they're behind Milwaukee and Boston. You don't see Boston again until March, right? You see Mar- Boston. In Boston, March 1st, and then they come to Cleveland, I believe, March 6th. You see Milwaukee twice before January 21st. You see, And they're both times are at home. But, Mitch, you look at this upcoming stretch. I'm not going to go through all the games, but just the upcoming games. We mentioned Utah, Milwaukee, Toronto, Brooklyn at home. Then you go and play Chicago. You have Phoenix. You have Denver, who's considered one of the top teams in the West. You have Utah again. Portland's up there. New Orleans, who's atop the Western Conference standings. Mitch, this schedule does not get any easier. Looking ahead, your easiest game, Mitch, might be against Golden State as it stands right now on January 20th, and that's if Steph Curry doesn't play. He might be back by then. We don't know. This stretch here is really going to tell you what the Cleveland Cavaliers are. But the next four games at home, none of them are back-to-back. So we're going to see, can this team really – play to their strengths and as hard as they possibly can, knowing they have an off day before their next game or two off days or three off days before the next game. I'm excited to see Utah here tonight. I believe Colin Sexton is out, so he will not be playing, but then Toronto or Milwaukee, Toronto and Brooklyn, Mitch are the three games that I'm going to keep an eye on that are going to be a massive test for this Cavaliers team because they've shown some great signs. They got off to a hot start. They had a little bump in the road. They're back. Can they play their best basketball against the teams they are going to have to be come playoff time in late Mar- early April, early May?
0: I think that you mentioned that slated game. Chicago, the back-to-back, not the semi-back-to-back we have against them will be a little easier because Chicago is really struggling right now. And if they don't turn it around, you might be seeing them becoming sellers at the uh, the deadline. We may be seeing them just kind of pack it in for the rest of the year. But otherwise, you're right. Up until that game against Golden State on January 20th, it's not going to get – it's, it's going to get – harder and harder i think until january 26th is when we get our first break against the uh the rockets and then the thunder although the thunder played the cavaliers i believe kind of close earlier on in the year so that's we'll see we'll see so yeah that's all we have here on the big time sports podcast show thank you for listening or watching obviously if you are here on youtube be sure to like subscribe and hit the bell we're also on podcast platforms apple podcast spotify and soundcloud now apple podcast and soundcloud audio only Spotify and YouTube video and audio. You can also find us on big time All of our articles, our videos and all that you can go to big time sports, Ohio on Facebook and Instagram, BTS Ohio on Twitter. And then at Mitch Spinell S P I N E L L at Mitchell Bala ball. A Mitch, what's the fact of the day?
1: Your fact of the day, Mitch is the Earl of sandwich Joe, John Montu. I don't even know how to say the last name, but we're just going to say your best. It anyway. Try your best. Montagu. Who lived in the 1700s reportedly invented the sandwich because he did not want to get up from the gambling table to eat. And I only say that because sports gambling will be legal here in Ohio after three more episodes of the Big Time Sports Podcast.
0: That's fair, and we're going to get a whole bunch of people probably at that uh, that sports book that's being built in the Cavs Arena right now, ordering sandwiches left and right. How do you wait? How do you how do you not leave a table? with a sandwich do you have to like just have all the ingredients there and you're just making it while you're you're playing
1: i th- I think he made it so he could take it there instead of having to get up and go make a lunch or you know oh okay you no know, doordash in the 1700s but he he invented the sandwich so he would never have to leave the gambling table to eat so he would always make a sandwich take it with them gamble never leave you know is this dude the greatest gambler of all time i might have to do some deep research
0: here you might have to. By the way, what's you go to a you go to a sandwich shop? Any sandwich shop doesn't matter which brand. We're all we're all about brands here. You go to a sandwich shop. What's on what what is on Mitch Bala's perfect sandwich?
1: Well, the first thing I'm going to say is it has to be a hot sandwich. I love sure. hot subs. That's a big thing for me. I'm not a cold sandwich guy. Uh, depending where I'm going, I'm sometimes between like a meatball sub, Mitch, or I'm a big uh, meats guy. Whether it's you know a uh, uh, ham, turkey, salami, something like that, Italian sub, or a uh, pizza sub, uh, chicken side doesn't matter. I'm a big meats guy, but it's all, always
0: has to be warm. That's fair. I'm more of a like uh, depends on what form. i uh, mostly a turkey when it comes to sandwiches. When it, if I have to get it with like some sort form of meat, um, sometimes it can be hot, sometimes it can be cold. Just depends on what else is on it. Like on a hot sandwich, a turkey and bacon and a little bit of mayonnaise goes a long way. I've come around on mayonnaise in the last few years. Now, if I say that with that little asterisk on there a little bit of mayo goes a long way just spread it thin on the bread and just you know have it on like toast or something and then we're good so thank you so much for uh listening or watching the big time sports podcast show don't eat mayonnaise